Hello Android developers, my name is Mohsen and I'm back with another friendly talk with one of the Android community active members. But before we start, do not forget that you can like and share this video with other Android enthusiasts and subscribe to this channel and hit the bell button if you're interested in such content and you want to get notified whenever there is a new video. Without further ado, let's start. I will talk about Global Electric. So welcome to 45 minutes of talking about translating swings. I mean, Kotlin is there. Kotlin is official. I mean, we used it before, a lot of us, but now it was there. And all of us were like this, right? We are Android developers. We are partying on the streets, uh, finally, at least in our heads. I mean, we're a bit introverted, right? So before we talk about dependency injection, let me share something about Kotlin and myself. So I started writing Kotlin basically two years ago after I came to DroidCon. I heard about Kotlin before, and it was amazing. Um, and then I went to DroidCon and I talked to developers um, and I had a feeling I'm the last person on earth not using Kotlin. Welcome to the testing session. Um, I have a good news. You will not see any PowerPoint slides in the next 40 minutes. I have a bad news. For the next 40 minutes, you have to look at Android Studio. First of all, Danny, thanks for accepting my invitation for this interview. And maybe for the beginning, just uh, introduce yourself and tell me where are you based. Hi, uh, thanks for inviting me, actually. Um, so I'm Danny, Danny Poisler. Um, I'm based in Berlin, which is easy because I was always based here. Uh, so I'm German. Um, yeah, and I'm working at SoundCloud right now, working on the Android app. Cool. So our interview, or, or I can I like to call it friendly talk, is kind of broken into small chapters. The first one is the lifestyle question. So. Maybe let's, without further ado, let's jump into the question and, and read some of them. But uh, regarding the questions, someone, some of the questions I have wrote by myself, some I got from Reddit thread, which I opened on Reddit. And yeah, we will go, go further and see how it goes. So maybe first thing first, uh, what's your hobbies after work? And how do you spend non-working time after work? Um, I definitely try to like disconnect from from work. Um, it's mostly meeting friends, uh, like like spending time with your friends. Um, um, I try to do sports, like uh, I like like cardio exercises, like doing hit sessions and these kind of things. Lately, I did a bit of boxing, so I'm trying this, just like to get your energy out and like get into a different mood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, I can see the nice SoundCloud in logo in your background. I guess you're currently working in SoundCloud. How, how does it work? Mm -hmm. So um, so we have like about like 18 Android developers, I think roughly. Um, and we are spread over like different teams. So we have these cross-functional teams. So we normally work together with iOS engineer, with a backend engineer. Um, and then once in a while, we, as we call them collective, uh, would, would also meet and discuss like Android topics. So you get a bit of both. You get like the Android side, and you also like discuss with like, colleagues from iOS and backend. Cool, cool, interesting. Uh, I love this question because from previous interviewees, I I got some funny answers. But yeah, uh, can you tell us some fun fact about yourself? Something that maybe less fun people fact. know. Yeah. Okay. One interesting thing might be. So I have a magnet implant in my finger. Uh, so there's an actually magnet in there. Um, I don't have anything here to show you. Oh, actually, yeah. So something metallic, and then uh, I can prove you. Oops, let's try doing this. 
works. So it is actually That's magnetic. Cool. Um, it's like something that a lot of people don't know about that there's such <laughs> a thing like body modification. You can have like chips uh, in your finger or magnets and mm -hmm. it's like a very nerdy thing to do. Do you have any special usage for it or just, just for fun? <laughs> I think the idea that made me do it was when a friend who had it told me from Florida, actually, um, you can feel electromagnetic fields uh, because the magnet is spinning uh, and I would go like close because of my MacBook, my charger, my microwave, I can like feel something like, like wind. So it's like gives you a new sense. And this, I thought, oh, let's try this out. That, 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 that was interesting. Cool. So I, I told you I love this question because I get lo lots of funny answers. Cool. Um, do you also do Android for fun after work? I don't know, have some, some personal project or something for your hobby? So yes and no, like um, I don't have like projects I would work on, like I used to do, but it's like hard to find this kind of time. But also like like for those people who know me, like know that Android for me is more than my job. So like I give like talks, I write blog posts. So there's a lot of Android I do in my, my free time. Um, so which comes to those weird situations where someone would ask you when, when we used to travel more before the COVID, before the pandemic, and someone would ask me, hey, you are somewhere in the world, like, is this holiday or work? And I never know what to respond because I'm not there to do my actually job, but I'm also not there to do holiday. So somewhere in between, right? And this is like the part that, that I do in my free time, like this Android community part that I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I, I agree. You're, you're almost everywhere. So, um, uh, In general, are, are you a morning person or afternoon person when, when your brain works better? I'm definitely not a morning person. So one thing I enjoyed at this company, for example, is that everybody is like very late in. I think it's also like a Berlin startup thing. Um, like I know I show up in the office if I go to the office at like 10 and then like hopefully no one puts a meeting before like 10, 30, 11 in there. So they have some time just like get into the day mood. Uh, and then like from 11 on, you can talk to me and then we can start working. So I'm definitely like one afternoon person. Uh, and to, to grasp some focus to start doing your work, uh, do you listen to, to music? And if yes, then any special artist or genre or album that you put on repeat and you just keep listening? It's an unusual answer, probably. So definitely I like music um, and it helps me focus. Mm -hmm. uh, but and the switch to like that I work for SoundCloud, like I actually like listening to techno music. So this is like, it's not the, the classical music or the folk music a lot of people would use or ambient, it's just something in the background. It also works for me. I also do this when I have like headphones, I would use that. But I really like to sit somewhere like in a, like, like an hour cafe where there's loud techno music playing and like focus without having headphones. I don't like headphones. Mm -hmm. So like there's this constant music in the background and like, Something like techno works because it's also very repetitive. So it's nothing, nothing with lyrics, right? This wouldn't work. Uh, but yeah. And then some people sometimes are wondering, like, wait, how can you focus with like this loud music around you? But I actually can. So try, try to uh, some techno playlist. Yeah. Feel free to share me any link that you want. Sure. I'll send you some to have some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been two years since pandemic, but I I'd like to know first how did it hits you and then second how did you adapt yourself for working and life is that it was definitely like a big like change um 
So before the pandemic, um, when I was traveling a lot to conferences and also work for companies with like a lot of uh, people all over the world, I thought like this remote work is, is totally my thing because it didn't matter if I opened my laptop from Minsk, from Los Angeles, from New York, from Poland, from Berlin. Um, but then pandemic hit and we all work from home and I realized, wow, this is definitely not the way I want to work because I really enjoyed coming back to the office, talk to people like... Like when the offices were completely closed, um, I really did not enjoy this, like sitting at home all day. Um, so yes, some kind of remote work, probably I still love uh, doing traveling. But as you see, like I'm even in the office, I don't have to, I'm doing this because I want to. Yeah, I was going to ask, you're currently in office and, and it looks like you're enjoying to be there from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. Like I really like to, to, uh, to stay at home, I know. And you have a delivery or you have like plans in the evening and start a bit earlier, then I, I love to have the flexibility. But in general, I'd like to come to the office. Also like for the change. And like I know it takes me 30 minutes to bike to work and I enjoy the exercise, right? So and also helps you shut down after work, which which I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can yeah, when you leave the when you leave the office, then then you close everything in your mind. I think that that's what happened. But when you're working at home, then you feel that anytime you can go and open that folder again and try to do something. That's the difference. If you like go from like this place to like the couch one meter away or two meters, or I don't know, you close up and out of the door, have a bike ride or bike way home, right? And like have 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then, then you're completely uh, in, in, in a different mood afterwards. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's that's also something that I'm missing. Uh, this is kind of personal question, but feel free to not answer if you don't like. But uh, by knowing uh, an Android developer and in general a software developer lifestyle, will you kind of marry an Android developer? Uh, and do you think you can live with, with such a, such a guy? I mean, yeah. To be honest, I wouldn't mind. Um, I mean, I'm not planning to get married. Uh, um, but you know, as like Android is like more than a job for me. I don't mind like an Android been with like people that you could talk about work like even like in your evening and like someone to have these kind of nerd talks uh, I actually really enjoy and uh, I don't need this clear cut as long um, as it's not actually work but it's more like the, the, the surrounding moment. I enjoy Android and that's why I'm still doing Android so I wouldn't have a problem uh, being together with someone who's in the same field. Okay, okay, yeah, cool. And maybe as the last question of this category, what's your phone brand? I actually recently switched, so I always had like Pixel or Nexus phones, like most of my career, but I recently switched to the to the Flip from Samsung. Hmm. Um, and yeah, if you ask me for my opinion, um, I love the hardware, like Samsung always does amazing things. I still miss the, the pure Google that I had on my Pixel, hmm. to be honest. So, I agree. I, I'm, I'm missing all those. Them. I, I'm missing making noise with my phone by opening and closing the flap. But yeah, I know. Cool. So yeah, we are done with this this part. So yeah, we will come back with the second part. Sure. So let's start with the second chapter. So in, in this chapter, we talk about the Android community questions. So my first question is, uh, what was your latest contribution to the Android community? It could be an article, library, or, or, or anything else. Mm-hmm. 
So I think the last thing was an article about Android Auto. So I spent like end of last year and early this year um, working on bringing SoundCloud to cars uh, and Android Auto was the first thing. Um, and I am planning to write more about this. I know it's like a very limited audience, but still like uh, developers might run into problems. And I'd like to share the things that we learned. And the first article was part of this and something that I discovered. And, uh, that was interesting. And I hope some people found it interesting too. Uh, to be honest, I read that because I, I, two years ago, I was working with a company which was doing some device for the cars and I had lots of trouble with Bluetooth connection, with how different cars behave with different devices and phones. And for instance, you reduce the volume and it, some cars pause the music, some cars just reduce the volume. It, it was super stupid. But yeah, I, I read that article and I really enjoyed it and I feel the pain that you, you had until come to that point. But thanks for sharing again. That's also why I want to write more of these because at some point it felt like when I used like the, the, the car emulators, for example, like the headless unit, uh, we work with this. It felt a bit like in the early days of mobile development, tools are not as mature as they are in, in the, uh, with, the, with the phone. Mm -hmm. uh, this is like, yeah, I think there's much more pitfalls you can run into. So I think it's like, it's nice to share uh, mm -hmm. things. Uh, you, you are a good talker on the stage. That's, that's what I can admire. And I really enjoy all the, all the DroidCon opening. You, you are up there and talking a lot, jumping from topics and do not miss any, any thread and, and you do it great. That's, that's what I can say. But I, I really like to know how you manage the pressure of being on the stage because all of us are human. I know talking in front of lots of people can, can be a bit pressure. How, how do you bear with that pressure and how do you calm yourself and then jump on the stage? I mean, if, if you've seen my talks, you often realize I'm not the most calm person, so often I speak very fast. So I'm not sure if I can give you ideas how to calm down. Um, but I think just, um, the thing for me here is that I really enjoy this. So I like from the first moment I, I experienced this, like I enjoy being in front of the, the audience. Uh, so maybe in another life I would like be some some entertainer or like uh, be a DJ or something. Like there are multiple ways of like getting this, and I enjoy being on stage. This is why. It's more something I look forward to. Um, I feel only comfortable when I don't know my topic. So if I give a technical presentation that I'm not really good with or a lot of uncertainty, then I'm getting nervous because you don't know what to expect. But if you're, you know what you're doing, if you talk about things that you actually written or that you worked with, it's very easy for me. Um, I'm not getting that nervous there, to be honest. And like for DroidCon openings or things like this, I mean, I actually miss a lot of things because I never look at my notes. Uh, <laughs> because, I don't know. I'm then in the flow and yeah, I miss a lot of things. Um, but I also like don't, don't need to prepare much or something. I, I like talking to developers, I guess it helps. We have 40 minutes. We have more than 100 slides to go. So I will speak very, very fast. So if you're on a recording, just make it slower. Sorry for the ones here. <laughs> um, let's talk about JUnit 5. You know, we, we are in a very fast-paced Android community, Android development, and things are changing so fast. How do you keep yourself up to date? Any any resources that you check every day or or any any social network like Twitter? Yeah, of course, I try to like, read the, the usual newsletters like Android Weekly or Kotlin Weekly. So I definitely uh, try to at least glance through if there's something interesting. Um, 
Then if there's like one of these typical conferences, like Android Dev Summit, Google I.O., I mean, I try to, um, to keep up to date with those. Um, although, I mean, I think we all have like a, like a backlog of videos we want to walk, uh, watch that we never uh, try to find to. Um, but I think my main point is Twitter um, because it gives you like an idea of like where the industry is moving, what topic is hot, right? Um, so I definitely be like, I'm on Twitter like every day. Um, it's another thing that you might get addicted to it, be careful. Um, but for uh, staying up to date, uh, to get a general idea, not like a deep knowledge, I think it's a really good thing. I'm, I'm already addicted. And, and with this new Android community feature that has been added, it, it's super nice. It's You cannot miss anything. And then people just write to it directly to the audience who are interested in Android. And it's super cool, mm -hmm. yeah. By the way, if anyone has not joined, just just look for it and find someone who has invitation to invite you in because people have limited invitation, but you can you can find someone in the community. Uh, in general, how much time do you, do you dedicate to learning stuff? For example, you mentioned your evening person. So in the morning, you spend time reading or just at the end of the day or, or even at the weekend. Mm -hmm. So it depends. I don't have like a fixed time. Um, like in the morning, normally I use Twitter. Um, or if I don't have time in the morning, maybe I use my lunch break um, mm -hmm. to do these kind of things. When I had one of these videos, um, sometimes I did like if I have time on the weekend, like, you know, let's make a nice breakfast and watch like a Google I.O. talk or something, um, or this interesting conference. Um, it might be. Um, but it's hard to find these kind of times. So it's better actually, for example, for conferences to, uh, even if it's remote, like watch these live, right? Plug the time in your calendar and you actually watch these talks as, as if you would be there. Because otherwise you will just add them to another backlog and then forget about them. So I think this is the best way of doing it instead of having something, okay, let me watch one video per week, which is also nice, but uh, it also like mm, locks you a bit in, 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 your, in your free time, right? So mm -hmm. also like, for example, at SoundCloud, we have these um, like typically 20% things. So Friday, we normally work um, on things that is about learning or, I mean, often I work like on features that I would like to have for fixing bugs, but also like you can try new things, right? You can play with Compose or watch an article. Um, I do coding cutters with a colleague who's not even Android developer. So these are the things that are definitely, we have a, a Friday for me is doing this at work time, which is perfect because then I don't need to spend my free time on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, do you have any Android hero in Android community? Some someone that you adore, and and maybe as a second question, do you how do you react if you see them from from close? I mean, the good thing is like like spending so much time in these conferences. Like I know like a lot of people um, um, that. Uh, you would like see a uh, read the blog posts or so from like I don't know I really like like reading things from or seeing uh, talks from Johanny Nachimaki or Eric Hellman, uh, but I also call them my friends, so uh, I'm really uh, uh, looking forward to see them at, at events. Um, I think in the early Android days, like Fernando Sayers, or maybe some of him you remember him. Uh, like if you ever heard about clean architecture and Android, it was one of his blog posts because that's how it started. Um, <laughs> Nowadays, he's a bit off Android, but yeah, he was my early hero and like I always enjoyed when he was at a meetup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Probably thinks it's funny that I call him a hero nowadays. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, to be honest, right now you're you're also one of those heroes that people like to see you from close. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, we are done with this chapter. Let's see you in in the next one. One of the main goal of these interviews is to encourage junior Android developer, and this chapter is totally dedicated to encourage encouraging junior developers. So, as the first question, I like to know uh, how did you start Android development and what was your maybe first API version of the Android you start with? Um, that was kind of very early on. Um, so I was doing BlackBerry apps. So like these phones of like a keyboard, maybe some of you remember those. Um, was also for Java and those. And I was like, we had like a team and I was like the team lead and we may needed BlackBerry because there was a lot of money in those with the B2B apps. Um, and then at some point this thing Android came around and like we actually hired a junior developer like to, to look into this. Uh, and this was like when Android really came out. Um, and I contributed a little bit to this because we had a couple of shared libraries that we would use between the clients. Um, and I would so touch Android here and there, like in the early days, like, like 2.1, 2.2. But then at some point I switched to like being a full-time Android developer uh, uh, when I joined eBay Kleinanzeigen, which was the, the first app that I did worked on my own app um, when it comes to Android. And I think this was after Honeycomb, so probably 4.1, uh, mm -hmm. I would say, when I did full-time Android development. Okay, cool. Uh, by the way, talking about BlackBerry, was it Java or other language? I, I don't know. Use, use Java. They had like this Java micro edition, but added a lot of mm -hmm. things on top. So it was very different from, for example, Java that we had for Nokia phone. That's why we use these shared libraries that we shared between mm -hmm. Android, iOS, Android, Java micro edition, and BlackBerry. Yeah, I was wondering how was the sharing, but if it was Java, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was your first serious Android app? That you did, that, mm -hmm. that published yeah, I think on, was on just, the store. Yeah, it was I think eBay client and site. So I became a full time Android developer. Uh, they had like an app, but in the end, we had to rewrite it and took it over also. Um, so I think this was the first full Android app that I worked uh, by, by myself on. And if you don't know eBay client and site, it's like the, the classified version uh, of eBay. So, like, if you know something like Gumtree, for example, like this is, this is the German version of it. Uh, what aspect of job as an Android developer you love the most that you think other software developers are missing? So I joined like mobile, uh, for example, I was a Java developer and someone told me like when BlackBerry came up uh, for us, uh, um, someone said, hey, Danny, you know Java, can you write like a BlackBerry app? And that's how I ended in mobile. And I immediately got hooked up because I don't know, it's something that you can actually show, like, right? You, you write an app and you show it. It's very different from like writing, like I was... I think printer drivers before and these kind of things, uh, or like someone in the back end. And this is definitely something that I enjoy with Android a lot. So many people have an Android phone. Um, and then why Android and not iOS or something else? Um, it's the community. Like, like really, I love the Android community and like I couldn't love a little bit about it. I mean, yes, there's also our Kotlin community, but still, like, I don't know, my heart is like Android. And I met so many people all around the world. Like, I'm going to Kenya in two weeks. Uh, and I'm meeting there with the organizer from, from an event that, that uh, I've met like a couple of years ago <laughs> and I, we will travel around. And this is like, this is amazing, right? You met these people all over the world and you actually become friends with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the feeling. It's like you have friends in all around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, do you also code for other platforms? I don't know, iOS backend, but I mean nowadays. No, so I never did iOS at all. Um, and I hardly touch like backend or something. So the way our, as I said, like our team setup works, um, it might be that you contribute, for example, to do backend. Uh, so we mm -hmm. have this backend content layer that mobile developers can actually touch if they need something. Um, but to be honest, like 90% of my time is pure Android. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what's your advice for anyone who wants to start Android development today? And as a second part of these questions, do you suggest to start with Java or Kotlin? Mm. Not sure I get the first question. So what my advice, I mean, if you want to start Android and do it, because it's mm -hmm. definitely like a good thing to do uh, career-wise, uh, there's a lot of things. Um, it can be a bit overwhelming, I would say, in the beginning, because of all these APIs that we added on top, on top, on top. And right now we are like, I think we reached a level where we have really good things in terms of Jetpack and also Compose and Coroutines and all of these things that came in over the years. But everything else is still there, right? So maybe one advice is like stick to, to the new things for now when, when you come into the platform, which is exactly what all these code labs, for example, teach you, right? And then dig deeper and uh, understand things when, because when you come to actually work, you will probably find all of these because there the world is not as shiny. Um, Java or Kotlin, if you decided to be an Android developer, definitely Kotlin because that's the way to go. Um, in general, if you would start with developing right now, um, and I got this question, I think last week from someone, they didn't even know which direction they want to become. They just know they want to start in development. And I told them, learn either Java or JavaScript, um, because that's the thing, like so many things you understand in the world of development that are based on this, that this is a good start. Like with this groundwork, you can get very, very far. While other um, languages might be a bit more niche. But if you already made the decision, I want to do Android, then I think Kotlin is the way to start. And you will probably learn some Java where you go, because a lot of companies still have some Java code. Yeah, I guess you mean any any C based language like Java can can help to grasp and, and maybe jump to other language easily. Yeah, I agree with that part. Yeah, you you all, you also answered my first question. Uh, I was going to improve it by saying if you wanted to start Android development today, uh, did, do you, where would you start? But yeah, you kind of kind of answered my question. Uh, uh, how was your last job interview? Because uh, people who are joining this community and Android development are, are really afraid of interviews and uh, they don't know how it goes, how, how technical the interviews are or things like that. Uh, but for the moment, I would like to know how was your last interview and, and how did it go? So the last interview is the one for SoundCloud probably because that's at least where I ended up. So. Let me tell you how do we do it, then maybe how I felt in those. Um, so, like with most companies, it starts with a recruiter call, which you can always be very relaxed with because you're talking to a person, probably like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. They won't ask you very deep technical questions. So, just tell them what their motivation and things. This is the easiest interview you can do. You never have to be afraid of those. Um, and then comes like the second phase for us, um, which is the more technical ones. Um, where um, it concludes for us, there's a, there's a system design one, there is a pair programming one, and then you talk to, uh, for example, to product or to engineering managers. And to be honest, until this day, and so I finished university and I'm studying computer science in 2001. 
So we are talking about 20 years ago and mm -hmm. still I'm afraid as hell when it comes to like live coding. If I have to pair with someone an interview uh, or someone is watching me, I have to code something. I'm scared as hell. So don't be uh, feel feel ashamed if you do the same. Um, I always think like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Like they will think I'm stupid. Um, it's just this pressure situation, right? Um, but to be honest, what you should think about um, interviewing a bit in a different way. Um, and I try to tell this everyone, enjoy these interviews because there's always something you learn. And even if you fail, and also I failed, like, like last time I interviewed, I got a lot of offers, but I also uh, got rejections. Uh, I went to the interview process and they rejected me. This happens, like even to, to us um, and at SoundCloud, like most people fail the first time. Like I failed when I was at eBay, I was applying there already. And I, I failed in the first uh, coding submissions that I sent them, um, but it's fine. And you learn from them and take it as a learning opportunity. You talk to a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds. Um, and use it also to ask questions. Like mm -hmm. most interviews end with, okay, now I give you the time, ask some questions. Figure out how is the working there? Is this a company you actually would like to work for? Um, mm -hmm. Ask them, what are like the bad things about this job or this company, right? Uh, it also brings you, I think, to a different level. And when I came out of the SoundCloud interviews, I remember that I liked the people. I thought like I, lo I loved talking to every single one of these uh, full interview data they had back then. Um, yeah, and so just try to enjoy them. And if you feel it's fine because you learn something for the next time. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally have been in, in both seats as interviewer and interviewee. And, and after some experience, I, I got this feeling that if you, if you take it some, as some friendly talk with, with one of your colleagues or one of your friends, it, it really goes very easily. And the, there are pressures. We are all human. We all know about it. And as you said, live coding is the worst part of it. But in general, the, the other guy, sometimes I feel maybe the other guy is more stressed than me because if I do something strange and he could not understand what happened and then it works, then maybe he is also in a bad situation. So this is this is the this is challenge for both sides. But it's it's interesting for all of us. I totally agree because I'm also both sides like and yeah. And I remember like my interview when we did the systems design, I was working with one colleague that, that is really good here. And uh, I had to design some system and then I had like solution and there was another question. And then what if this, and then what if this? And then at some point I said, damn, this is hard. This is tricky. Like I got like stuck somewhere. Like, and then we both had to laugh. And this is like the, the, the atmosphere that should be like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and to be honest, if it's not like this, then, then maybe this company is not good for you because then you, you will have problems in, in later. Uh, and yeah, you should accept that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about live coding, do you also believe that an Android developer should have some algorithm knowledge and be able to solve some, some of those algorithm questions in interview? So yeah, I have a very uh, fixed opinion here, very harsh opinion, like not at all. Um, I think the last time I heard anything about binary trees was when I was studying and we we're talking about over 20 years ago. Um, I know it's a regional thing. Like if you want to work for US company or like one of these big companies like Google, you have to learn these things. Uh, this is why I would never, like even if I get asked, like I never would interview for Google because I don't want to prepare for these interviews. And mm -hmm. you just learn a lot of these things for the interviewing. Uh, so if you want to get there, you have to uh, read one of those books and like practice this. Um, in my daily job, I hardly ever needed one of those. Um, it doesn't 
doesn't mean that it's not good to know about this, right? It's like good to know, like sort algorithm and like some complexity. Um, but I don't know. I think last last week someone mentioned on a, on a, on a, on a pull request from my site, like, hey, there's like this complexity, and I said, oh, I haven't heard this word in a while, like because in the things that we work as an Android developer, um, it doesn't matter as much. And from what I heard, even like in backend, it's not as the, the way you think it is that, that they think about this this thing all the time. This is something where you look into when you need to optimize, right? We have a huge amount of data and it doesn't scale anymore. Let's try to optimize. And then you might look these things up. It's good to know like the basics, um, but to be honest, a lot of these things we're getting for free in like the way connections and these kind of things work, right? It's good to know underneath, but 99% of developers will not write uh, these things themselves. Yeah, right now with all these with all these modern languages, it's a matter of what you want to do and not how you want to do it. So that's that's exactly as you said. Um, and also like an interview, this is like when, when you're interviewing for a company, like and they're asking you a lot of these great questions. Think about like maybe this is not the right company for you. I mean, it depends why they do this, but uh, it's much more enjoyable. I don't know, to refactor some code together that's actually related to the work, right? This gives you also as a candidate a completely different feeling uh, how working there is, because that's that's what you want to know as an interviewer as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, I guess you also interview for SoundCloud. And if a junior Android developer like to join the company in your technical interview, what characteristic you look for to say, okay, this is a, this is a right uh, junior Android developer that I like to work with and join SoundCloud? Mm -hmm. I'd say curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one thing that the juniors bring in that a lot of seniors at some point lose because they've so, seen so many projects. I've met like developers, they're like, they were good developers, but they didn't care if they work in the backend, in the front end, on Android, on iOS. Give, give, give them something and they work on it. Uh, but one reason, for example, like the Android community that we are, I don't know, a lot of us are very into the topic. And if someone brings this curiosity and they want to learn this, oh yeah, I heard about this, like, I don't know how it works, but I would like to figure out. I see this energy, uh, then you already like have like a really big uh, big plus uh, on, on my list, and then I think the other thing is especially for junior, um, but it's a general know what you don't know and admit it. Like if you get stuck or you don't know the answer to a question interview, say that you don't know yeah. because a lot of people try to get around and they, they try to give some answer, and the other person, I mean, they ask this question so they they know they uh, what they want to what answer they expect. So they, they will find your holes and uh, don't give them this opportunity. Right? Tell them, oh, I don't know. Like the same when you do live coding or pairing, I'll say, ask the other person, okay, what, what I, I, I'm a bit stuck here. Like, help me, uh, give me a hint. Like when I did like these things, I asked them, I have no idea. Can you can you help me here? <laughs> and this is actually how, how a real work is, right? I mean, we both as developers, like we ask other people all the time. So know what you don't know and totally admit it. <laughs> Try not to pretend anything. Yeah, yeah. In such cases, I've also experienced that asking the other person will help you to find the answer, and and finding that answer is is so sweet, and, and you don't want to leave that question without answer because you you had no nothing in your mind, and you couldn't ask anyone else to help you. And I guess asking for help is also a positive sign for for interviewer that okay. If this guy get blocked, he just go and ask for help and then doesn't say, okay, I cannot do it, let it go. Mm -hmm. 
uh, up to this point, uh, as Danny, who is working in SoundCloud, how was your career path, and and maybe after after switching to Android? Um, like after switching to Android, um, so I started classical computer science, but it was more a coincidence, like it was like a last minute decision, but it was a good one in the end. Um, then I worked. I really loved C when I came out of university. So I started working on this and like uh, like really like an ERP system, like really B2B app, uh, like desktop thing. And at some point I realized, oh, Java is so much better than C. Uh, and I wanted to do Java because I was at a project where we had both. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, like someone asked me, hey Danny, you know Java, like can you write an app for this Blackberry thing? And this is how I went from really like desktop app and like printer drivers very like 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 bike moving things where like like we look at like protocols and so um into something that actually has like a display and a ui and i said oh my god i love this um so i went into mobile from it was easy path when blackberry went down to move to android um and i worked for a couple of companies so like ebay client and saying i went to group on other words um mtv in between and um, there was a, a Sports Total, which was a small startup, and now SoundCloud. So I like Android and I like uh, streaming. I think these are the two things that, that I really enjoy, like when you look at my last jobs. Um, yeah. And I'm actually, um, it's always fun to mention, in between this career path of 20 years, I was um, in this constant being a developer, being like maybe tech lead for one or two, being an uh, kind of a managing path and then went back to development because it was too much management. And always somewhere in these things, right? I mean, I don't know, like a lot of weird titles, like from tech lead to like head of mobile or something like, um, but in the end, it's all about Android and development. And I try to be, I try to stay technical. If I'm not technical anymore, then this is not my, my, my point anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, too, too much similar to my, my background. So. Uh, again, the same as you, I loved C, and then I started C Sharp and lots of .NET stuff for Windows and ASP and websites. And then, yeah, same as you, I found Java and then all those memory management and garbage collection that C and C++ was missing. Yeah, it was so cute and nice. And then Android came in and yeah, I, I really jumped on it because as you said, it's it's so nice to have your app in your pocket and demo it to anyone uh, even even in, in a in a in a meeting or sitting with your family and they say okay what's your job you, you can show your app and somehow they envy you i think that's that's a that's a nice feeling i remember like being at some company like family uh events where we just had, like coffee and cake and then i saw like my mom has like a like a cheap tablet. I said, oh, wait, can I test my app on this? Because I really want to test something. <laughs> so we downloaded it and I showed you what I'm actually doing. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> uh, any technical book you suggest to Android, junior Android developer to read while, while they are proceeding in this, in this flow? It's like tough nowadays. I have the feeling like books used to be more a thing like, like a couple of years ago. It's much harder to catch up nowadays. Um, Definitely, if you're starting with Kotlin or moving from Java to Kotlin, the Kotlin in Action, I think, is a really, really uh, good book and explains a lot of things under the hood. Mm -hmm. um, for me, you know, I mean, nowadays, it's uh, we can discuss about the author, uh, but the, 
the book that made the, the biggest impact for me was Clean Code uh, by Robert Martin. And I see it also in your back. Like yeah. nowadays, you, know, you read like the, the Java samples and that needs a refresh maybe, but it changed a lot in my, my way of thinking about code. And like, because when I, it was really, you read like a book and it tells you like a, a method should have one line, maybe two, three is all very, very questionable. I mean, you look at your code, the code you, all of your colleagues have written for years and you say, wait, this, this cannot be, right? So, so it changes something for sure because of this uh, radicality that it has. Yeah, uh, one thing I, I noticed that junior Android developer uh, put too much pressure on junior Android developer is that they think that they do not know all the Android APIs and they should know all of them to start developing some apps. But I personally don't think that's the case, but uh, what's your opinion? What, what APIs they should learn about and um, how does it work from your perspective? Yeah, I think it's touch a bit what we said earlier, like, like start with like the, the recent thing, right? Like, what is Q&A in use? Like, um, if you're starting nowadays, use Compose. I mean, I have not written a single line of Compose, but if you're starting now, do it, right? Um, um, start with, like, a room database. You don't have to know that, I mean, when you're starting, that there are so many different databases. In the end, it doesn't matter which one you're using, but at least, you know, you know something about persistence layers, right? Um, and especially, you don't have to know about all the history, like, uh, mm. When you look at like a code, like especially an older app like ours, um, you will see like if API level here and then there and then there, right? I mean, you will learn these things as you go that, I don't know, the notification API changed like 10 times over the years, um, but you don't have to know this upfront, right? And you will learn about content provider and cursors when, when, when you're coming across them, but you will be very happy if you never have to learn about them. So try to have like a broad knowledge, how to UI works, networking, grab one library, and it's similar like in the end with programming languages, like when I joined, went from Java after 10 years to Kotlin, like it's a similar concept, right? And you enjoy this and it's not as hard. The same as like, if you know work of one networking library, it's easy to move to the next one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just try to understand the, the underlying concepts yeah, yeah. instead of like a library or an API. Things, the APIs will change. Sometimes you have to dig into the history, but there's no way that you can learn like everything like up front like we mentioned it very very early in this, this talk like there's so many things right on android and so many apis stacked on top of each other and so many libraries around there like there's no way that we can learn all of those like us too we're doing android like a lot we don't know all of these like just the ones that are currently out there um so trying to even understand the history of all of those like it's like it's like two dimensions that, that that just doesn't work like be open uh, if there's an issue wait try to understand why where this is coming from um be if you're switching project and do a project be prepared that there might be apis that you don't know yet and i've seen a lot of developers coming into a project and saying oh wait you're not re re using retrofit here we have to introduce retrofit no 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 like there's no reason like there might be a reason why we're not using it or why we're using a different library. Mm -hmm. Be open, right? The yeah. concepts in the end are the same. And if there's a reason to use rate of it, you can bring it in. And then you are the ones giving you input, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the reason I'm asking this question is that uh, I get the feeling that some junior developers think that they cannot call themselves senior after some some years of experience because they do not have, do not know everything because they... 
they don't know the history of, I don't know, API one and why this changed and why notification changed multiple times. And I, I also don't think that's that's a correct thing to do. But yeah, th thanks for the answer. Always, that's, the, that's the point where you ask a question, asking question again, is like really important. Like, wait, why is it like this, right? Mm -hmm. Or you try to understand yourself, right? Yeah, you're yeah. learning something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in general, what's your definition of a senior Android developer? When, when a junior or mid-junior developer can consider himself as a senior Android developer from your perspective? I don't think I have like a strict definition, but I'd say a senior is someone who can, who've seen like different projects, um, different apps in the storm, for example, and they, they see like patterns. I think a lot of knowledge that, that, that we as developers need to have or uh, capabilities is like being able to abstract uh, things and to see patterns. Um, and I think as a junior, you very much focus on API and on actually coding. And as a senior developer, often coding is just a small amount of what you do, because that's the easiest part. Um, the, the planning the whole project, right? Discussing how, what's the best way, uh, how to approach a problem, how to debug a problem. These are the things that, that you learn over time and that I think made like a senior developer that, that yeah. It's not about the coding itself. Uh, it's about like finding and seeing these patterns. Oh, wait, I think I have an idea where to get started. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a good example for me is, for example, if you have like a crash and you look at a stack trace, like the, the junior developer will go to this line in the code and I know add an if around it or something. <laughs> well, the senior, let me try to understand how we got there, right? It's not yeah. about that this one is null, but why is it null at this point of time? And then I try to have hypothesis and look at like blocks that you, for example, might have uh, to find like what's actually happening towards this. This is the actually way of fixing the issue and not like ignoring it at that point or catching the exception. Cool. Yeah, uh, that was from technical perspective. Also, from personality perspective, any any characteristic that you look for in the senior and senior development. Mm -hmm. I think development, and it becomes more and more like this, is about teamwork. It's not about you being the robot that can code uh, this app in two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's about working with a team. Communication is very very important. Like uh, being humble. Like. Uh, asking questions, getting answers, trying to understand uh, things. Very often, um, we developers, we work with customers or with product owners, whatever this, your setup is, mm -hmm. and they often, we are the, the domain experts. So you need to be able to, to communicate, okay, wait, the way on Android is like this. I know like, you know, iOS, or I know like, uh, you don't know Android. Like, uh, let me explain this to you. Uh, and Bringing this in the right way and like being the one that all of a sudden they will always ask for, I think this is the uh, something that you need to have. So being the developer, this is I think why we call it developer uh, at some point, and not a programmer. This is again more about code. It's not about communication. Like uh, being able to discuss things, to to ask questions, and to to answer questions. And mm -hmm. You answer a question differently, you're talking to another developer or you're talking to a non-technical person. And I think a senior developer can switch this context and explain the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good point. Sometimes I see developers that they can explain some concept technically in a, in a very nice way, but when they want to explain it to, to PO, then PO get, get frustrated and confused and, and he or she doesn't understand what's happening there, but yeah, that, that's it. That's a really sometimes it's also like it's like 
I worked with a really talented developer once, uh, but it was hard to him explain the code. Like the code was very, very uh, like generic and abstract, mm -hmm. and the team couldn't understand it. But he could also not um, explain the code uh, in, the, in the best way. And then, when someone in the team would try to understand it, it spent a lot of time. Uh, and then he would explain to the team. So he had this this communication capability, although his coding skills was not as good. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I think. At some point, you reach this level where you have both, right? And this is uh, probably when you can, can call yourself senior. Yeah, uh, uh, it reminds me of one of my interviews with one, one HR guy who asked me to teach him something very technical in Android. And, and it, was, it was a nice question, but I managed to answer some, some and, and give him some insight about one of the Android parts. I don't remember what was it. But yeah, that was, that was a nice question in, in an interview, which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had once a question where someone looked at like, so you gave some talks about dependency injection. Mm -hmm. Okay, explain dependency injection to my grandmother. <laughs> and this is like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> and this was a really good task. So think about how would you do this, right? <laughs> this is too many steps down and you have to, yeah. Uh, what, type, what, type of, what type of team arrangement do you like to work with? Uh, all senior or a mix of senior and junior and, and what do you get from junior in that team? So I definitely like to work with juniors. So like a mixed approach is perfect, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned earlier, like juniors have this curiosity first, uh, which a team often needs like, they're really, oh yeah, let's start this project, let's do this, right? Well, the senior might more be like, Oh no, another device that we have to look at, um, another API change. And also they have this fresh perspective. Like and they see this in like coding challenges that we get, for example, people applying, like, oh, I have not worked with this. Interesting. So <laughs> because if you're working long, the longer you work in a company, the more you're doing it one way, because it's always the way you're doing it. And getting this fresh perspective is like something that a junior can bring in. Mm -hmm. They might have different background. They've started with Kotlin only, which is different from us coming from Java to Kotlin. So this is why I like to have both. And of course, the seniors, because if you want to have your project on time of the right quality, this is the where the seniors help a lot. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I also get the feeling that senior developers in a project after a while get biased by some 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 stuff in that project. And and when you inject one junior developer, they just kind of push them and then give them some idea to to mm -hmm. change their mind and, and maybe look for a difference. But yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, like when I when I started here, uh, I asked afterwards the one who reviewed my coding challenge, hey, can you give me some feedback? Because I was always wanted feedback. And then he said, like, oh, you know, I felt old because none of the things that I used uh, were used in the company, right? And he was there at the company for a long time, so he didn't use any of those API. And this is what you can bring in from the outside, which is always good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And and up to this point, did imposter syndrome hit you? And you say something like, okay, uh, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm not good for this job or there are better people who can do this. Yeah, I think we all had it. Like, and I mentioned earlier, like every time I'm doing a pair programming with someone, I thought, oh my God, they will think I'm stupid. Um, I've met like developers where I realized, wow, they are so much younger than I am. They have less experience and I can already see that they're better than I am. And this is super, uh, you get, you, brings a lot of fear to yourself, right? Like you have question, like, what did they do wrong? How are they so much better? Like, this is completely normal. Uh, um, and yeah, don't be afraid of this. We all have this, even after 20 years of professional development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know this git blame feature and let's say you find the hacky code inside the project and you open the blame and you see that you did that hacky part what's your reaction at that point and and how do you how do you try to use that in, in your future yeah i, I definitely know this like i always use the the annotate uh, right click and with your IntelliJ basically the same thing um very often like um i will find myself adding this line and then I said, what the hell were I thinking? Um, but in the end, I, what I take from there is, oh, I guess you didn't document really well and any, like, doesn't have to be a, a comment that can be the code itself, why this is needed, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's improve this. Like, okay, why is this point there? And even if you can't know it anymore, then you have to look up your own pull request and then uh, look at the history of this. But yeah, I definitely have these where you look at what, what is this? Who wrote this? Oh, it was me. Like. <laughs> I think that's totally normal. Uh, and I think we all hate also the code that we written like at least two years ago or something. I probably yeah. don't please don't show me code that I've written 10 years ago. Like I will probably sit like this. <laughs> and by then I already had 10 years of experience. So like this is totally normal. Yeah, I agree. The the interesting part for me is to see the process and, and how did I grow and what the hell I was doing at that point and now how how good I'm doing, hopefully, at this point. But yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with that part. Uh, also, something came to my mind regarding commenting that you mentioned. Uh, I know some developers say that you should never comment inside the code and code should be readable. But there are, there are points that some hack is happening or some exception or some API is pushing you to do something in, in a very awkward way. And that's exactly the point that you should write something because even you in, in next month could not remember what, why you did it like this and that, that small sentence is going to save you maybe half a day but yeah yeah exactly exactly mm -hmm. uh, you you do native android development what do you think about flutter some some solutions that are both android and ios at the same time and maybe after that kmm what do you think about the mm -hmm. future of those platforms so i've not done any flutter um one thing and i've always like i get people asking this question a lot what do you think about flutter because very often i think they also expect like i don't know like a, me getting furious or being angry because there's flutter and like no i'm not like actually 99.9 percent .9 of people that i talked to that did flutter said they love it they love the way that it feels like it was uh i remember like one i think he became a flutter genie later like a few years ago he said you know um flutter made like uh like development fun for him again. And I like that, like, there were a lot of frustrations we have in our daily life with, with, with Android. And some of them getting approached and some not. And I thought it was a new, a fresh start. And I can totally see how this like, uh, uh, is something that developers like. Um, some people don't like the language, but that's a different topic. Uh, but it's definitely um, something new, something interesting. And, the future, I think no one knows what the future of Flutter will be. Like, I mean, there's Android, there's Flutter, and they both seem to have found their, their, their spot. Um, if you're starting a project, what should you use? Really, the answer is depends. Uh, there might be a good reason to use Flutter. It's hard to get from Flutter afterwards to something uh, more uh, natively because you basically start from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but it might be the right thing for some some companies, especially if the app maybe doesn't live long and you're an agency and you want both. Sure, Flutter sounds like a good option to use. And they will probably refer to it native. 
But there also might be reasons where I say React Native is your approach because I don't know, you have a React Vector, you have React Developers, and you have, yeah, go with it. As long as you know the implications, right? You have a plan. Okay, what is like one, two years? What if this doesn't work? What, <laughs> what, you know, like what might be the problem? Like, and KMM, um, when it came out, uh, so Kotlin multi platform, um, I thought this is the right way of showing code because we had all these approaches, right? Uh, that a lot of them were more focused on the UI. Um, or like in the older days, it was like we had some C libraries that, that shared were very low level, no one to touch it. I had the feeling Kotlin is a multi-platform is a, is a better way because there's things that you do on both platforms. Um, so I like that part. I became a bit skeptical when I heard, oh, they also want to know like go outside of Android and iOS and I also want to go like to some UI level. This feels wrong already because then you move like into like what Flutter is like. Mm-hmm. But sharing code between Android and iOS, if Kotlin is a way, um, if you can convince your iOS developer to do this, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really nice way and it's um, I see a lot of companies using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it definitely has a future. It doesn't yeah. mean that you always will use KMM for Android and iOS, um, but definitely it will have uh, its, its future. So it's a good thing to play around with. Yeah, what I personally like about KMM is that it helps you to draw a line in between your core and and the logic that is related to UI, which should be repeated for iOS again. Mm-hmm. And that's something that even after years of experience, you you really have hard time to understand. And when you when you think of it like, okay, let's say I want to remove this view layer as an Android view layer which is android platform and everything android and put something like ios view on top of it does my code still work or it has lots of dependency to android platform like i don't know live data or 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 things like that that are right now a lot in view models and then you cannot you cannot detach the view and attach another view on top of it which is not android anymore but yeah that that really clear that line and i love about kml See, really good point. Yeah, like remember when I said earlier that I started with BlackBerry and the Java micro edition? We had like shared Java libraries, and it was we followed the same principle. It was like a layer that was doing everything for you. And at some point, I wanted an easy way to test things. It was like a remote file browser, basically. So I said, I would like a command line client where I would do like CD and then a folder name, and it would translate it. So this was my UI layer, and everything worked out of the box. Uh, and these are what these things allow you, exactly as you said, like to to think about more the layers that we should have anyway. But often it's very easy to drill a hole and mess up all the dependencies. Cool, cool. Thanks for all the answer. This is a nice talk. I'm I'm really enjoying. So this is the end of this chapter, and we will see you on the next chapter. So we are back here. We want to talk about in this chapter about Android, some Android technical question, and let's see what Danny is thinking about. Um, don't you miss Java in general after switching to Kotlin? No. Like, and I'm struggling more and more when all of a sudden I land like in a Java file, like which sometimes we have like a test file or something. I don't even notice, like, wait, what's wrong here? Oh, I'm writing Kotlin over the Java. Like, wait, oh yeah, there was the semicolon. I don't know, like. In the beginning, it felt easy to jump between the two, but I don't know my Java language like goes really like in the back, and I forgot things, and I really don't miss it. Yeah, yeah, things things pass, and then you start forgetting stuff when you're working on a hundred percent Kotlin project. I agree. Uh, is there any library that you cannot live without? Let's say you have only 
one option and one library that you can add to your project, what, what could it be? Yeah, to be honest, like I don't like, um, I thought about what this could be like, but like every project has a different set. Of course, if I would set up a new project, I would put my favorite libraries in there that just makes it easier. I know probably it would be, a, it would be okay, HTTP with way to fit, they would probably um, view model, they would probably be coin or something. But none of these, like even rate of it or KHTP, I could live without them. I could make a URL connection with pure Java. Uh, and I don't know, maybe just because I've done this for a while, like I'm not like bound to a library. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I can adapt to whatever is there, which is actually, I think, a really good thing. I love Kotlin. I don't want to work on Kotlin, but if I need to step on a Groovy or on Scala, like an hour backend, I don't mind. And of course, I won't have like my favorite. I love JWS five, and maybe this is my favorite library. But if a project has like Scala tests or uh, JUnit four because of whether we like to make or Android uh, Espresso, yeah, then that's what I use. I can adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, I got this question from one of my interviews. So, if you had power to change an Android API, which one it would be? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, probably there was a lot of decisions like about fragments and activity life cycles that everybody would like to change. But mm -hmm. um, I probably would think about let make sure change go back and make sure content providers with the cursor API would never have happened because I think mm -hmm. like if you ever had to work with one of those, like this is one of the worst APIs because it's like the complete opposite of object-oriented programming and like it just does not feel right. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And and this this answer comes from experience because at, at that point I said, yeah, lifecycle, fragment, whatever. But then when you, when you go further and find worse things, then you say, okay, uh, maybe my answer was not perfect. But I also uh, got this, another question after this question that, okay, how would you improve it? And then for the lifecycle, I really had no answer because I even know iOS developers kind of envy that we have this lifecycle and we know exactly when something is happening and they don't have such a thing. And and yeah, that's that's really a good answer, I think. I think the thing that would change, like when you look at iOS app, if they rotate and they have a good app, that you can see how things go into place. Like even if they have a different layout and we cannot do this because we throw away the activity, right? So, mm -hmm. so. This I think was one thing that was a reason for this, but it blocked us from having like a nicer transition there, which you have to solve in different ways nowadays. Yeah, we, we are hearing a lot about Jetpack Compose. How did you and maybe your project get along with it? Is, is SoundCloud going to switch to Jetpack Compose anytime soon or, or you see it a bit far? So, I mean, I'm, I haven't used Jetpack Compose uh, at all. Uh, I recently looked into like a project that was using Compose. And I see like coding challenges that use Compose. Uh, so I have an idea. Um, also like watch one of the talks like early on when it came out. Um, everybody enjoys it, that did use it, right? And whenever I say to someone, hey, I'm not using Compose, they say, oh my God, how can you not, right? Because the, <laughs> the coolest thing ever invented. Um, and the reason is more like I'm not working at UI-focused thing. I'm working in a devices team. I did like things like Android Auto, where Compose for now is not my main factor. We are looking at Compose, developers looking into it. Um, and I cannot say when we adapted and in what, what way, uh, but it's definitely something that if you're an Android developer, it's not like you can ignore. 
it's there and it's still it's the future way of how we write UIs, right? So maybe don't bother learning all this XML and yes, you have to. Mm -hmm. I'm also just recently exposed to it and I'm trying to have a series of learning Jetpack Compose together on my YouTube channel. And in, and in these chapters and in these parts, I, I try to migrate one sample app that I already have with different screens, but I've been two parts published. I recorded the third part yesterday and I was thinking that, okay, three part would be it and it would finish, but I, I am hitting lots of troubles and issues while doing the code and, and lots of searching. And then it doesn't end, you know, it, it's not that much easy, but you first have to get the mindset and then know the new libraries and tools, how, how they can help you. But yeah, I'm also in the middle of learning it. So yeah, cool. It's a good way to learn it. Like have, if you have an app, mm -hmm. uh, like we write it. I have this one language learning app that I wrote for like my niece once. And I remember like in the beginning it was live data and then to learn flow and coroutines, I moved this project over. Uh, and I also planning, okay, if I look into Compose, that's what we write there. This, this UI in Compose, that's exactly the, the way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also a good approach. Uh, I remember you were a fan of TDD from, from all those uh, talks in uh, meetups and all, all your talks about testing. Uh, I personally found it hard to do TDD for Android, but I, I like to hear from you. Do you believe it's a reality or is a miss for Android development to do TDD? And at the end, how did you find it? So yeah, I'm a big fan of TDD. Um, I agree that it's much, much harder on Android. And there's, mm -hmm. um, I don't do it as much as I would like to. Uh, this is always the code where I have like, uh, not the best uh, tests, for example, or not the, 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 the perfect scenario. Um, I always try to at least stick to the principles because, uh, like of TDD, like uh, writing the test as soon as possible, mm -hmm. uh, testing as much as possible. Um, I think the mindset is the, the thing that you learn of TDD. Um, and I'm a believer in TDD, not only because I think it makes you write better code, but also it reduces the stress a lot. Like mm -hmm. the thing with TDD, like a lot of developers, they need to be in the zone, in the flow, like, and please, please, please don't interrupt me because now I'm right there. Now I can write the code. <laughs> and there's this interesting thing where for most TDD developers or software crafters, um, they say, if someone wants to interrupt me, wait, give me a second. And then you might finish this one test or this one thing because everything is such iteration. And there's this one conference talk where someone said, the thing of TDD is I can shut my laptop like all the time and just go home. You know exactly where you need to go. You don't have to have this whole thing in your mind. Everything is in your test. And you know exactly what you're doing these baby steps. And this is, I think, the main reason why I like TDD. Development is so less stressful for me anymore. And they don't need to be in a flow. Like, yeah, I can do one thing and then something else. I would like to... Sometimes I wish all the colleagues would be like this, and I can just yeah. ask you a random question. Hey, I just thought about this. What do you think? Like, and then most developers will be, damn, now I need like 20 minutes to get into my thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I missed your answer. Do you do TDD right now for Android, or, or do you just like the mindset? And you Not all the time, but yeah, I, I, I do it. Like, but yeah, I, I know that it's hard on Android. Um, mm -hmm. also like, we have Cradle, and like running these tests is not as fast, um, but I try to uh, and. The Android auto code that I wrote, there's a lot of things that is very test driven there. Mm -hmm. 
You know, my journey in testing um, started many years ago. Actually, I found this slide lately. This was the very first um, presentation I gave about testing. It was a BlackBerry developer conference somewhere in California, and it was the year 2008, so Android just started back then, and I was talking about unit testing. But to be honest, from that presentation until today, where I do TDD and daily base, um, it was a long journey. So maybe if this talk helps a bit, um, like shortening the path for you, I will be happy. Um, because for me, TDD is the best way to write software. Um, it's the most effective way. And, but as I said, it was a long journey. Cool. And, and when you estimate for a feature ticket, how much time do you dedicate for running unit tests, maybe? Or, or in general tests? Mm -hmm. It's a tough question because for me, it's so part of this ticket, right? I don't think about it. There's not a separate thing that you can, I don't know, you have to add on. Like, it's the speed that I write my code, and I would never commit any code without having a test for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, um, so, but in general, I think like, it will always be like 20% on top, but sometimes you write like five lines of code and then it takes you three hours to write all the tests for it uh, because of the, the project setup or something. So, but I'd say like it's something between 20 and 50% uh, that should be part of your, your code. But in the end, you will save it afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, this thing happened to me a lot that uh, the release is kind of like with the feature that I'm working on and I still haven't time to write some tests for it. How do you how do you behave in such cases? Do you say, okay, my ticket is not finished or you say, okay, let's merge it and I will test it. I, I will write the test maybe later after release. That's I think what I mentioned, but like I would not commit code that doesn't have tests. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even if I don't do a TDD, like once the code is there, I write the test and mm -hmm. then I commit it. Like, mm -hmm. like, don't, don't even get into this mode where you push it and say you do it later, because later means never, like, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's just part of the development. And yeah, sometimes it sucks because you found these two lines that you need to write, that you wrote to fix the issue, and now you have to write the test. But the longer you move on, also the, 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 the more annoying test, testing is. Like, remember, like, working with one developer, and he hated testing, and he would write the whole feature and then spend three or four days writing all the tests. Of course, he hated testing because this is not fun, right? But if you do it fresh, you actually discover things. Oh, wait, I missed this. <laughs> so do it really as fast, easy as, as fast as possible and best do it upfront. Yeah, I, I also found that when you write the test, you may want to improve that code that, that right away because you may see that this, this part is not testable and, and then exactly. maybe we should improve it at this point. The longer you wait, the harder it is to build, it will be to write these tests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, how important is the code coverage number for a project for you? Do you think the code coverage means a, a nice code or, or clean code? Or what, what does it mean in general for you? It's a different topic. Like in general, like you should aim for high coverage. Mm -hmm. But I have not looked at code coverage in a long time, like on most lastly projects. Uh, it can help when you move to like add testing and trying to see what you're actually testing. Mm -hmm. But if you do it the way that I just described it, or if you do a TDD, you, you aim for the highest coverage possible. You don't look at a specific number. Because mm -hmm. as you know, the problem of code coverage is that it's a metric that it can easily be cheated. You can have 100% coverage and not a single failing test uh, because you didn't have a single insertion. So the metrics itself, it can give you a hint if you need to look at it, like mm -hmm. to figure out, come new to your project. Okay, let's see what's tested and what's not to get like an idea. Mm -hmm. But in my daily work, code coverage does not play any role. Okay. 
Yeah, good to know. And uh, how do you, how do you take care of technical depth? Some some something that you are coding uh, on a feature and then you notice something. Do you do you try to put it in some on paper or keep in mind or write some comment or or even put it in in Jira or I don't know issues mm -hmm. of that repository. How do you take care of them and and in your in your process in your day by day job? Ideally, well, you go like very often like. You're trying to build a feature or you're trying to understand the feature. Mm -hmm. And I look through the code and I see something that I don't like or that I think can be improved or there's a deprecation warning. While I'm just browsing code, I'm already changing these things. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes called the boy scout rule, like always leave the code cleaner than you found it. So mm -hmm. some people don't like this because you're adding things for to, to maybe your, your changes that's not related. Uh, I would normally mark them, hey, not related, but clean up or something. Or, Commit them separately, but but keep doing them, and then the less you have this problem of like huge tech debt. Um, but of course, we all find these things. Oh wait, we should really have to work on this. And if it's a big thing, um, I will write a ticket. Um, otherwise, I might try to do it like afterwards or so. It really depends uh, how big it is. Um, but ideally, change it while you're already implementing the new thing because it's just part of this implementation to make it in a cleaner way than it was before. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this mindset. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, is there any special tools besides Android Studio that you use for your day-by-day -day software development? So very often I using IntelliJ, not Android Studio. My browser is much more lightweight. I prefer to use this if possible. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's very simple tools like I, I don't know, use Source Tree to, uh, to have UI tool for Git. Um, I use Diff Merge. Just a, just a diff tool that I've been used to. None of them is the most fancy one, but I don't know. I'm using them for ten years, and they, 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 they do the job. I have some text editor normal, like like I have PB edit, but nothing of those is, is, is fancy. And yeah, I'm I could adapt to something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is my, my basic setup. Okay. And uh, you mentioned your your phone did not get the latest Android, but did you have a chance maybe to test Android 12? And what do you think about it? M maybe you already got it on your phone. Yeah, so before I went to the Samsung, I actually uh, had Android 12 on my Pixel. Mm -hmm. And the reason I actually went to uh, the foldable was not because, I mean, of course, I like the foldable idea and I want to try it. Mm -hmm. But actually, Android 12 pushed me because, um, I don't know, I, I was complaining a lot. If you follow me on Twitter, like, I hate Android 12, like, uh, UI-wise, like, I don't know. Like, I loved Material first when it came out, like, Material 2 gave up some of the principles I liked in 1, and but yeah, like, the, the Android 12, like, I had so many issues with it, and like after like a week, I bought a new phone like on my own just to get rid of Android 12. <laughs> I will of course go back to it, but I heard the Samsung version is not as bad, for example. Yeah, I, I recall all your tweets, and, and you were complaining about the tech size, about the extra spaces that buttons are, are taking. Yeah, I know. Cool. So I'm happy. I mean, a lot of people liked it, which is totally fine. But I also had a lot of colleagues who said, "I don't know, like, damn, if I have to look at this over scroll effect one more time, I go to a psychiatry or something like." So like, we were a bit like harsh with Android 12, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, it's very easy to disc uh, to um, to discuss about UI and to complain about these kind of things. Yeah, people people have different ideas, and and to be honest, I personally like it, and. At the beginning, and I switched to the Android 12, then it was a big moment of shock at that, okay, why everything is so huge? But after using them for a while, you really get used to them. And 
Okay. To be honest, I, I switched to Pixel 6 Pro, which the screen is is huge. And maybe that's why I like it. Maybe if I was on a, six, a Pixel 6 normal size, then it was a bit big for me. But yeah. I mean, people don't like chain. Often, like, that the, they will complain. Uh, and a lot of things that I complained about was like, I don't know, like, I click the, 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 sh the shutdown button. Mm -hmm. And like, from these tiles with the mini icon, like, every time I, I didn't know which one to shut down. Like, after the third time, I still didn't get it. And this was the things that I don't know, annoy me. It's just small UX issues, but none of them is like not fixable, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. things improve over time. And then, as you said, we get used to it very quickly. Mm -hmm. I also like that the Google Pay is inside notification bar and you don't have to look for the pay app the whole time, but okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. So we are done with this section. We will back with the another part. Okay. Uh, in this chapter, I will ask you some options and you have to pick one. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. So between Mac, Windows and Linux, which one do you prefer to pick for software development? Or Android development? I use Mac. Before I did Android, I actually used Windows, but this is now a few years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, before I used Windows, I used Linux. So and I, I never went back to any of those. So it's Mac, then Windows, then Linux. Okay, cool. And yeah, between Kotlin and Java or, or even Dart for Flutter, which one do you pick? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's do it like I said Kotlin for sure, then Dart, then Java. Like I think okay. someone once said, like when when Flutter came out, like uh, Dart is better than Java, but sorry, Kotlin is not better than Dart. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're different the level. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I know this answer from you, but dagger or coin? <laughs> coin for sure. Okay. I, I knew it. Most people know kind of dagger, but I'm using dagger like on my daily work, for example, like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, may I ask if in SoundCloud you're using coin or dagger? Yeah, dagger, that's what I just mentioned. Like, uh, ah, that's I have to use okay. dagger on a daily basis, uh, and I might make sometimes fun. Can I finally introduce coin? But I know it's fun, that, like, you don't have to go there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, Arx Java coroutines, which one do you prefer? Tricky one, because I used to be a big opponent of Arx Java. Um, it worked probably once in a panel discussion, Arx must mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a big fan of coroutines when it first came out, like before it went one to zero. Mm -hmm. uh, and I recently not sure anymore. I think coroutines added so many pitfalls and so many things uh, about structured concurrency, concurrency that I sometimes think that like Java is easier. But coroutines is the future, so don't bother with like Java. But when I have the choice in my daily work, I most of the time still go like Java. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a perfect one. I also have the feeling that there are lots of feature adding on top on top of the coroutines and it, it's getting hard for everyone, I think. But yeah, yeah, let's 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 move on. Uh, for Git, do you use terminal or some GUI? Most of the time UI, I use software, um, but when it comes to rebasing, I like to use the command line because I have to find a good tool that you know does a UI rest for me. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, we are also done with this part. Uh, for the for the last part, uh, first of all, how do people can get in touch with you? Is this your Twitter handle fine, or is there any other channel? Yeah, best is to add me on Twitter, Koisler Berlin. Um, yeah, I mean, I have LinkedIn, but this is the easiest way to reach me. <laughs> and 
any other topic that you you like to talk about which i missed or any advice for junior developers or those who are considering to be an android developer i'd say stay curious like be curious and keep keep this curiosity um and i hope for all of us like meeting coming back soon because i really miss like meetups like personal meetups to meet all of you and i hope to see you all soon yeah we we had a nice third con and i really enjoyed it after a while it was it was super nice yes it was like a family reunion for us <laughs> exactly uh thanks for taking care of that i know you were one of, one of the members of the whole uh, droidcon to make it happen and and you you all did a great job and yeah again uh, as you mentioned it was like a family reunion and meeting all the old friends that used to live in berlin and moved outside which was so cool uh cool thanks for being with me thanks for answering all my questions and maybe some other android developer questions and it was super nice talking to you uh, i like to invite uh, the viewers to subscribe to this channel to support and if they are they are interested in android development and like and share it with other android community member and android enthusiasts and Yeah, let's be together and make nice Android apps. Bye. Bye.